0: there we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message to find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved check out our website message.org.uk hey everybody i am honored and thrilled to be able to share a few reflections uh, for your uh, time together here i'm going to be coming out of a, a scripture That might seem like an interesting one to use when we're thinking about prayer. But I think one of our biggest challenges in the church is integrating prayer and action. And uh, uh, the the prayer for some folks can, um, well, I'll just say it like this. I had a friend a bunch of years ago that said, I find myself really lonely these days because I keep, finding myself among inactive believers and unbelieving activists. Where are the folks who hold prayer and action together? And I believe in prayer. and That's why I'm so excited to be partnering with folks like uh, Eden and The Message and uh, Red Letter Christians in the UK because they're folks that have held together prayer and action, faith and works. These things that have never meant, were never meant to be separated. They have to work like blades of scissors together. And so I'm, I'm going to share with you in a, a bit a, a prayer that's been important to me. We, we have this book you all might have seen it or you you might use, there's a free app of it too on um, uh, mobile devices, but we created Common Prayer as a daily prayer book, but it also has um, actions that we can do to put flesh on our prayers, you know, And, and, and so part of what we were, we began to discover is that prayer can become place to hide from responsibility um, if we're not careful when when folks say all we can do is pray um, sometimes that's not true you know we we need to pray but then uh, as one of my mentors said if every week we find ourselves praying for our neighbor to have a wheelchair ramp after our prayer meeting, we might get, need to get together and organize some carpenters to build a wheelchair ramp. So sometimes I think we're waiting on God, and God may be waiting on us to step up and, and, and take action. So this, this scripture that is one that may be very familiar to some of us. Uh, it may be, i never assumed that everyone's read the, the Gospels, and so this is a, a story that might be new to some folks. But it's a beautiful one, and I invite you to hear it with fresh ears, and I'll offer us a few reflections on it. So an expert of the law came up to Jesus and said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, What is written in the law? How do you read it? The man said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. And so the man said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said this, a man was going from Jeric- from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Well, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, the priest passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw the man and passed by on the other side. But then there was a Samaritan. As he traveled, the Samaritan came to where the man was and was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged the wounds, poured oil on him and wine. And then he, he took the man and put him on his donkey and brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him and then I will return and I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. And Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? It's a good one. It's a good one. I think this is a great scripture for the time that we're living in. um, uh, Because as one of my friends said, people get beat up at very inconvenient times. And uh, this pandemic, in some ways, is an interruption um, on our way of life's journey that's causing a lot of questions of what does it mean to be the body of Christ right now. But as I read this scripture, there's a few things I want to point out of, of what, what, why I think it has so much to say to us. And um, the first thing is that it's interesting that the, the man was an expert in the law, right? He was a religious guy, and he he, um, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? It occurs to me that any time we're asking who is my neighbor, we're sort of also asking who is not. <laughs> like, who's exempt, right? For, who do I not have to care for? Um, and Jesus tells this scandalous story in response. Um, and uh, uh, it, What's so interesting is that the people who we would all hope would respond, the religious folks, they actually passed by on on the other side of the road. And some have said maybe they were late to a trustee meeting or a board meeting. Uh, certainly they had may have had something on their agenda that they didn't have time for uh, the interruption. Of someone else's pain. Some other folks, you know, I think to give them the benefit of the doubt, they might say that uh, they might have been scared. You know, I mean that the the bandits may have still been hanging out. Jericho was a really dangerous road. not Not everybody would necessarily want to stop and uh, uh, on that road. So maybe they were fearful. Who knows? But for whatever reason, the religious folks um, don't respond to the suffering man in the ditch, uh, and yet. Uh, what's interesting is that the Samaritan, of course, was uh, the quintessential uh, outcast. I mean, Jews went out of their way to avoid Samaria. And it was uh, uh, for a few reasons. There were theological reasons uh, because Samaritans didn't have all the orthodox views about how to worship God and where to worship God. They were also a mixed race. So there were lots of ways that they were stigmatized. And yet the Samaritan is the one God used uh, Sister Joan Chittister puts it really well. She said, uh, Jesus consistently includes the excluded and challenges the chosen. That seems exactly what's going on in the story is that, that Jesus uh, uses a Samaritan who I'm sure ever, there were lots of people who were scandalized and offended by that, you know? Um, and yet the other thing that, uh, I think of as I think read through this story is that the person in the ditch, we don't know much about them. We uh, uh, the the scholars point out that the two main ways that you would identify someone um, are erased in this case that uh, and those being close the man is stripped naked, so we can't tell from his clothes what region he was from or uh, what religion, you know, he may have had. Uh, he's, he's stripped of all of his clothing and laid naked. The other is that he's left unconscious. It, as the, the term half dead was that he's knocked out. And so we can't tell what language he speaks or what dialect or anything. So all that we know, and maybe that's part of the point of it, is that this person in the ditch is is human. They are made in the image of God. We we don't know uh, what religion they were or where they were from or what their sexual orientation was. We know that they were a child of God made in the image of God and their life matters. Uh, it's kind of a, right now, I think that this story is one of those that um, uh, should challenge us from Showing love and compassion to anyone that we might think is exempt, and it's also a story that um, should uh, allow us to have a little imagination about the confines that we put on God's love. Um, uh, as Rich Mullins, who was a wonderful singer who I quote a lot, y'all know that he he said uh, uh, he said, uh, referring to the old story in the in the Hebrew scriptures of uh, the donkeys speaking to Balaam, and he said, God spoke to Balaam through his ass, and God's been speaking through asses ever since, and so uh, if God should choose to use someone uh, that we, we we may not, uh, we may not expect, we shouldn't be surprised, because God speaks through anyone, and so if upon meeting someone we think God would never use them a Samaritan, right, Mm. then God may show up, and if God should choose to use us we think we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves because God uh, uses broken vessels. And and so God's love kind of oozes through it all. So this this story is beautiful. I, I also think that Martin Luther King had an incredible sermon on this story. And he said, we are all called to be the good Samaritan and lift our neighbor out of the ditch on the road to Jericho. But after you lift so many people out of the ditch, you start to say, maybe we need to rethink the whole road to Jericho. We've got to reimagine the road so that people don't keep ending up in the ditch. And this is why I think it's so important that compassion also leads us to justice. Uh, That just as we we know that God is healing individuals, God is also redeeming a broken world. And that means reimagining our streets, our neighborhoods, our cities, our countries, our world as if What would our world look like if God's kingdom were coming, if God's dream were, were taking uh, shape in this world? And that's what we're to seek after. So one last story that is, as I think of prayer in the midst of all of this, one of the most powerful prayer services I've been a part of was um, in our neighborhood. And it was it came at a time after a young man had been shot. A 19-year-old named Papito was shot on right in front of our house, and I heard the gunshots, and I ran outside. He was still alive at the time, so I was praying with him, holding him. The ambulance came, they took him away, and the next morning we found out that Papito had died. And for me, that was one of those moments where... Um, where it felt like we've lifted so many people out of the ditch. We need to do something about what's landing people there. And this was the season right before Easter. And uh, as we prayed uh, into that season, we really felt moved to take our worship into the streets. And so we folks did some really creative things. Some traditions of the church have the Stations of the Cross, right? Where we remember the stages of Jesus's Uh, execution his death on the cross and and so in our neighborhood folks had stations um, on the corners where people were killed connecting uh, the gospel to our streets and that all kind of climaxed in uh, this uh, worship service that we had on good friday so the friday right before easter Instead of meeting in our sanctuaries, we went into the streets and we had our worship service in front of one of the gun shops. Uh, We've got... But this is just a little statistic. I know y'all think our gun gun violence is crazy because it is crazy. But we've got uh, almost five times more gun shops than McDonald's restaurants in America. And one of those is just a few blocks from our house. It's not just any gun shop. It's one of the worst of the worst for selling guns there irresponsibly that are then used uh, for crimes in the streets. And so, um, as we we began the service, the young men in our neighborhood carried the cross and they put it in front of the gun shop. Hundreds of us were there and we read the the gospel reading of Jesus's violent uh, execution and the women that wept at the foot of the cross. And then we felt moved after the gospel reading to invite the moms and dads who had lost their kids to come forward. And those those mothers began to tell the story of losing their children. And something happened where it was like the the tears of the mothers 2,000 years ago that wept over Jesus' death met the tears of the moms and dads uh, of our neighborhood. And, And the passion of Jesus met the passion of Kensington. That's our neighborhood. And we began to feel like, you know, something and this. I'll never forget this mother. This woman came up after the service and she was very emotional. And she said, I get it. I get it. And I, and I said, what? And she said, God knows what it feels like to lose your son. It was Papito's mom, the mother of that 19 year old. And that is some of the the best most powerful theology I've ever heard, that God knows what it feels like to lose your son. Something happens when we take prayer into the streets and when we um, allow the gospel to speak into the world that we live in. I love how Karl Barth said, we need to read the Bible in one hand, but we need to hold the newspaper in the other. Or else our faith can just become a way of escaping this world rather than a way than a, a fuel to cause us to engage the injustices of this world. And and too often I think we've we promise people life after death when a lot of people are asking, is there life before death? And the gospel that Jesus talked about is good news now. It's good news today. It's not just uh, I, I'm convinced that Jesus didn't just come to prepare us to die, but to teach us how to live and how to inaugurate the kingdom now. So as we've been, you know, thinking about all the gun violence. Some of y'all know we, we've we been transforming guns into garden tools, right? We've we've uh, we got our first donated weapon was, this is a, a chopped up one, but this is an AK-47. This is the first gun that we had donated. Um, and... This is a uh, uh, part of the problem. Is we have these guns that are military style weapons still legal on our streets, and we we chop them up and we transform them into garden tools. So these are um, garden tools that are made out of either uh, repurposed guns. So I, I sometimes say this is what a gun looks like when it gets born again. You know, when it gets transformed, the old is made new, and we make these little cross or these little heart necklaces out of uh the the barrel of of uh guns and so we're repurposing that but part of the whole point is that as we pray we also need to be people of action and uh you know after every mass shooting our politicians always uh offer thoughts and prayers and you know sometimes say people say all we can do is pray and and as a way of saying, we, we, you know, that's all we've got. And I I believe in the power of prayer, but I also believe in the power of God's people to take action, to uh, change these injustices, right? And so this image of turning swords into plows and spears into pruning hooks comes from the gospel or comes from the prophets, Mike and Isaiah. And as, as I read this, this passage of the you know the Old Testament prophets, what's amazing is it ends by saying, "Nation will not uh, take up sword against nation. People will learn violence no more it's a it's a vision of a world that is ultimately uh, a world of peace. But that peace doesn't begin with the politicians. It begins with the people of God who are so fed up with violence and death that they begin to transform the instruments of death into tools of life. It's a call to action, right? As uh, Walter Brueggemann, a wonderful writer of the prophetic imagination, he says, sometimes we misunderstand the prophets and we think that they were fortune tellers, but they were actually truth tellers. They weren't just trying to predict the future they were trying to change the future by naming the present, by waking us up and inviting us to reimagine the world that we live in. And so these prophets, they don't accept the world as it is. They want to build the world that God dreams of, right? So I, I believe that's part of our call right now in the world is to, as a The great French thinker Jacques Ellul said, he said, I don't know where we got the notion that Christians are just meant to be normal, conformers of the status quo. Christians at their best have been holy troublemakers. They have been creators of holy mischief. They, They refuse to accept the world as it is and insist on building the world God dreams of. So... I am excited to have this conversation with you all because I know that you're people of prayer, and we need people of prayer. we need to put together action and prayer again things that have been separated like orthodoxy, right thinking with orthopraxis, right living, faith and work so uh, I want to close this in a prayer that has uh, meant a lot to me it's it's a a prayer that's attributed to Saint Francis and Fact in, in our common prayer book, we um, we have it in uh, the prayers for every day to pray, and I pray this one often. So I offer it to you as we close. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us bring love. Where there is injury, let us bring pardon. Where there is doubt let us bring faith. Where there is despair, let us bring hope. Where there is darkness, let us bring light. Where there is sadness, let us bring joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, or to be understood as to understand, or to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born into eternal life. So I pray for you, my brothers and sisters, that we would be God's people, light in the darkness. And let me also pray uh, the fruit of the Spirit over you. Another prayer we pray often, in fact, we've got them hanging in our building over it the simple way. you can say them out loud with me if you want to. I'll say each one of them. Lord, we pray that who you are would become who we are. That we would be transformed into your hands and your feet, your body alive in the world. And we pray that the fruit of your spirit would be in us. Love. Joy. Peace. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. May all of those things that God is transform who we are. Thank you, my, my brothers and sisters. We'll keep the conversation going, but I'm going to stop for now. Love you, and may God's kingdom come. And God's will be done in your life and among us as we seek God's kingdom in the world. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a brand new episode there right now.